everyone, welcome back to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm your host, Doug Coleman, and I'm here today with the other host, Brendan McCullough, and we are at the second part of the lost episode. Bonus you, episode! Sorry. Yeah, it's it, no, feel free. It's a bonus episode for our listeners. We're trying to do more content for you guys, but technically this is this could have been released as one full episode, but like I said in the in the first part, it would have just been a whole clusterfuck. So this one's not as video game oriented. We talk about a lot of space things, like uh all sorts of interesting shit happens on this. It's pretty much like if you met us at a party and we were both drunk and we both saw Neil deGrasse Tyson for about like five minutes. It's like here, let me regurgitate the entire theory of everything in this drunken stupor. Yeah, it's an interesting listen, so I'm eager to see what you guys think of it. But uh, yeah, give us some feedback and uh, some love on Facebook and stuff, but here's the episode. Um, Literally just today, they discovered, or not just today, but they're reporting about it, how they discovered uh, a, a planet that has rings 200 times the size of Saturn. So that's mind-shatteringly big. So we'll definitely talk about that. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out. Is the planet itself 200 times bigger, no. or is it just the rings? I, apparently it's just the rings, which is even more like mind-boggling. like I'm thinking to myself, what does that even mean? And I was reading the article, and apparently those rings are comprised of just like space dust and like rocks and debris and stuff. And those are usually the way that since they're in orbit of the planet and that gravity is pulling them in that, in that way, uh, they are what's typically form moons around planets. So, and I'm not sure if listeners are aware of this, but apparently Saturn, our moon itself, uh, according to NASA has over 60 moons. And I was totally unaware of that. Saturn's got 60, 60. And that's, that's because, uh, like, technical moons, uh, because of the, oh. the the ones that are in it in the rings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I can see that now. Yeah. Isn't that wild? And that's and I think the fact that this this planet that they found four hundred light years away uh, has a ring uh, radius or no a diameter of two hundred times the size. Like that's insane. So just think about how many moons that potentially has. Like, that's insane. That's just, like, one planet's rings the size of our entire solar system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or and bigger, they actually, probably. in the article, I'll include it in the show notes, they include a picture that this guy tweeted. It's, um, pretty much imagine what, if this, if this version of, if this planet replaced our Saturn, we would see it in the night sky. It would, it would be bigger than a full moon and you could probably see it in the daytime sometimes. It's like, and there's a picture of it. It's just mind boggling that how large of a structure this is in space. Yeah. It's, it looks like a galaxy of its own, but this is just surrounding one planet. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I had like a, freshman level astronomy class end of college and i remember just like fuck there's so much stuff yeah it's wild and that's the thing i would i always was interested in astronomy but i'm thinking is there any jobs in that field how do you get paid to look at the stars how do you get (laughs) like i would love to know and or do that because god that sounds like a thrilling uh thing to just study our universe because there's nothing literally nothing more interesting than that it's a lot of boring work. We did, um, there's like a website where you, you can actually just do it yourself, like, you know, do it whenever you have free time. And it's, uh, to discover exoplanets. 
which oh, are interesting unidentified like planetary bodies and it's pretty much just looking at charts and uh i think of uh stars like i forget the quantitative term that they measure starlight with luminosity not luminosity something luminary and it's just me- like you see just watch charts and to see how intense they are and if there's ever a slight dip in how bright the star is that they believe that a planetary body rotated around it, and that's why it dips, is because it blocked out some of the light. Oh, sure. That makes sense. Or it's trying to see if the gravity is pulling on the star somehow. Like, if you see it move slightly, it's because a planetary body is circling around it and got close and pulled. But it's a lot of, like, oh, this one dot is slightly out of the, you know, grouping of all the other dots. That might be a planet. So it's just, oh. like, it's just really, like, a lot of, a lot of data crunching. Yeah, that just sounds, how do you map the universe? How, how, how do you, that's just, that's mind blowing. Fuck. Yeah, I'll try to look up the website because it's all, it's like a lot of astronomy stuff, but it's all voluntary. Like it's just people doing it on the internet and like people discovering planets and be like, oh yeah, it's, you know, John Smith 4802. That's what <laughs> yeah. he named it. So that's ridiculous. And th- these planets maybe in another solar system have other names, but you know, all of ours are like AOL usernames. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll try and find the, um, website if I can from like my class emails. And if I can, I'll put it in the page and we'll, we'll oh, maybe, fantastic. That, maybe do a show about that. Oh, sure. Um, it's just interesting too, because it's like, to me that you, you say it's boring work and I, I agree. I'm actually not about to just go do this shit. It does sound kind of boring, but it just seems like we're like living in like the te- the text based like version of this reality. Whereas like hundreds of years from now, we're going to have people actually on the frontiers of space exploring. I mean, we do, we're out in space. We're doing what we're doing. We have satellites. We're going far, but I mean, serious like sci-fi space travel shit like where we have accomplished uh, traveling at the speed of light that kind of shit that i think we'll get there someday but maybe not i'm not sure because traveling at the speed of light just physically does not seem possible that anybody would be able to survive such a thing yeah it's i remember like talking about it in class and it's a whole messy area and i think stephen king said Stephen King, <laughs> Stephen Hawking said, um, <laughs> uh, "If we were, if we were able to ever travel through time, it would be through light speed travel, and we would only be able to go further in time. Like in the future, we would never be able to go back in time. And the theory is that like you wouldn't really be traveling in time; you would just be going out, looping around a black hole, and uh, since you'd be going faster than light, you'd be looping around it. When you came back, uh, it would take you like." four light years to go out and like wrap around. And then when you came back to earth, you would actually be four years into the future from when you left. But to you, it wouldn't feel like that. Wow. So it's like a weird loophole in time travel. It's not like, yeah, let's go see dinosaurs. It's like, you know, theoretically you would just be off in space. And then when you came back more time would have passed on earth than in that spaceship. Yeah. It sounds like then maybe some people will have the option. They're like, uh, this time sucks. Like let's, let's fast forward 10 years. Fuck this shit. <laughs> yeah. But then you screw up your calculations. You come back to earth and boom, planet of the apes. Like, Oh, Oh God, that, that where earth is not there. And you're like, wait, where is this? Like, <laughs> yeah. where are we? <laughs> Something could have came by and like thrown us off our orbit and just like, you're gone. You're fucked. Oh my God. That's what I mean, dude. You never know. That's it's, I'm just glad we do have. People, astronomers and shit, uh, studying the skies, cause just 
make sure that no asteroids are just going to wipe us out or anything. Cause <laughs> well, I mean, there was that one asteroid that was like the size of California come by and they're like, if this what? hits us, we're fucked. Oh my God, dude. Just when was that? Within the year. I knew it wasn't that long ago and no one really talked about it until it was with like, until like an astronomer was like, yeah, we might be in trouble. And they're like, what? And then they all looked and they're just like, okay, no, it's going to miss us. But like, just barely. Oh my God. Dude. Like, I well, think, like- it, I think it came in, in between like the space between like Earth and the moon. Like it came that close. What the fuck? And that's what I mean. I would love to like be standing on top of a mountain trying to observe it. Dude, I bet it would be, it's definitely would be, if it's between the earth and the moon, you can't tell me that's not within the human eye's reach. So that would just be insane to be like, look at that thing, just go right by us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not sure about the atmosphere if it was like during the day or at night if you could see it better, but. True. Yeah, you definitely would be able to see it if. If the circumstances, yeah, yeah, that's insane, dude. What the fuck? And yeah, I thought, if anything, that's the kind of shit I would want to know about. But then again, there's always like been those, the, the end is not, the end is here and all that. Like, um, don't you remember in 2012 even, like, there was like a big hype, oh, the end of the Mayan calendar and all that shit. Like, everyone was buying into it. Well, yeah, it got really big. But I think that's bullshit because it's like the end of the Mayan calendar. The guys actually recalculate it and they're like, oh yeah, like the end of the cal- uh, calendar, like you have to translate it from Mayan language. And the guy was like, yeah, we either already experienced it or it won't happen for another 40 years. And to me, it's just like, no, the end of the Mayan count, the reason the Mayan calendar ended is because all the Spaniards came in and murdered all of them. Yeah, like they it- didn't plan to end it. Thank you. That's like literally the most logical thing anyone's ever said on this topic because I agree a hundred percent. I always like, you want to know why the Mayan calendar ended is because the guy who was making it just died. And it's yeah. like, <laughs> that's like if like you're reading like Lord of the Rings books and it's like the books ended. That means our lives are going to end. It's like, no, the dude that wrote it died. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's still a human that's writing it. Oh man. But yeah, so it's funny though. I'm I'm just glad no asteroids are actually hitting Earth. Thank God. Yeah, I think as for now, we're relatively safe. But you know, every day it's really different. If not, we're just gonna have to call up Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck, <laughs> fly up there, put a bomb on it, and then fly back. Yeah. Oh God. With your so daughter's good. with your daughter's like fiance or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, what a drama. I think if the asteroid like was coming that big, I'd just be like the one guy who's like, eh, fuck it. Like, let's just go out with like a boom. Like, you, know, you can't stop the asteroid. <laughs> yeah, literally. I would just sit on like the top of a roof somewhere in like a lawn chair watching it come down. Just like, yeah. Seriously, that's what you'd have to do at that point. But, oh man, I'd, yeah, I'm glad we brought Armageddon into this discussion because otherwise <laughs> I would have kicked myself in the foot. How did I not talk about Armageddon during yeah. that? <laughs> Always got to work in that somehow. <laughs> Oh man. But, uh, I guess we could get talking about what we really are supposed to talk about. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I was gonna ask you, I understand the, uh, simulation hypothesis. I've heard of that before and I get the gist of that. I have no god, no goddamn idea what this holographic principle is. Like, do you understand it? Oh, here we go. Dude, alright. So it, it's like, are we living in a hologram? Physics believe our universe could just be a projection of another cosmos. 
Holographic principle claims gravity comes from thin vibrating strings. These strings are holograms of events that take place in a flatter cosmos. According to this theory, everyone, everything we experience can be described as events that take place in this flatter location. This is the first time the validity of the model has been mathematically tested. So physics, physicists are saying that strings in our universe, vibrating strings, represent events that and these these events are holograms which ultimately create everything we see that is fucking that's some shit and and think about it physicists are pretty smart people they're not just like oh yeah i'm just gonna they're not just they weren't born yesterday they're not they're not just throwing shit against the wall and just seeing which sticks and be like yeah that this seems like that's a good idea to delve into yeah, they didn't go to community college. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but you see what I mean, though? Like, I, that's just fucking weird that, that that's even a concept. And then some people are bold enough to claim that, oh, yeah, I believe it. And this is something like, what the fuck? What's your thought on it? Yeah, like it's theoretical science, but like it's still science nonetheless. So it's, uh, it has some grounds of reality and of evidence to support it. Like, they're not just making up mad like stuff like oh yeah magic's real it's like what proof do you have it's like yeah i read king's arthur's court like no they have <laughs> yeah. some actual like scientific evidence to back up at least the speculation of this not necessarily proof that we are definitely on yes exactly but like the idea like it's just so hard to wrap your mind around like something happens millions of light years away like roughly let's just theoretically say the center of the galaxy we live in and the big bang happened and the civilization and the existence that was currently going on in the center of the galaxy was the center point of everything. And then when the Big Bang happened, it just projected their shadow against the whole eon of space. And we're just the shadow of past civilizations that were in this. Oh like, it's God. just hard to be like, what? Like, Do you know what that is? That is Final Fantasy, the spirits within or whatever. Did you ever see that? No. Oh my god, dude. It's, uh, alright, I have to go down on this. <laughs> uh, but, but before I do, I want to say, you were saying how they mathematically can back this stuff up. I would love to know the, the physics and science and their theories and the, like, the hard coded, like, math behind it all. Like, to be like, show me this. That's interesting to me. But, um, until I get that, I'm pretty skeptical. But, uh, the Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. All right, this this is an old movie that I remember. I had it on VHS, and it was one of like the first like CGI like uh like movies that kind of looked like a video game come to life, but just like all like an entire movie's worth. And I was so pumped for it, and it had the Final Fantasy name on it, and it was a sci-fi. And even to this day, I still think that movie's fucking kick ass. I'm sure a lot of the listeners are gonna be like, ha ha ha. They're gonna disagree like, with Give you. me a break. Yeah. I mean, it's not bad though. I mean, sure, it's semi corny, but for its time, the graphics were ridiculous. I remember showing this movie to my dad being like, look at that shit. That is so real. And like, look at her eyes, the detail and all this shit. And he's like, dude, that looks like, that is definitely a fake, like video game person. <laughs> and I was like, I, I was like, I know, but you can't even just give them credit for look at how good that has gotten. But like, God, if we go that far, like look at today, if you go on Autodesk, uh, Maya's website or something, you could see the, how far we've come with the detail and 3D models and textures and stuff. But for its time, that was really impressive. And the story was really interesting. It was about, um, 
how do I explain this? Because, yeah, it, the reason I'm even bringing it up is because you were saying, oh, it's like we're ghosts of another civilization. Well, that ties into the whole plot of Final Fantasy of the Spirits Within. The main character, I can't think of her name for the life of me. Uh, let me look it up because I do want to get this right. One second. Yeah, I do remember when this movie came out and I was like, oh, man, Final Fantasy's getting a movie? This could be great. And then it was like, this isn't related to any of the Final Fantasy games. It's like no one has any idea what's happening. And, and to the point where it was almost confusing, I was thinking to myself, is this even in the same universe? But then again, like, each Final Fantasy is different, so I was like, oh, okay, it's just, like, in the spirit. But in all reality, I don't think this should be labeled under the Final Fantasy, like, franchise. I don't honestly understand why it was, but it it is what it is, and it's it's a I think it's a great movie. But, um, alright, let me see here. What the fuck? Okay, yeah. Her name's Aki. How could I forget? The most common name in the world. Literally, Aki. A-K-I. And basically, she's like a scientist, like uh, and it's like a post-apocalyptic world, so, like, everything, like, you can't, like, there's only certain cities that have, like, these bubbles that you can uh, survive in, and, like, going on the outside is, like, pretty much forbidden and stuff, but, like, she's a part of some agency, and, like, there's, like, crazy uh, advances in technology. They have, like, all these, like, spaceships and, like, all, like, hovercrafts and, like, crazy armor and it's the everything about it's super visually awesome but uh this girl aki is pretty much uh going into like these abandoned cities where like you're not supposed to be for some reason and looking for life and it's the movie starts and she's looking for life and she finds like a, a like a plant like this like decrepit little thing that just happens to be living in like this like this like forbidden kind of looking city like very um downtrodden uh post-apocalyptic setting and then um all of a sudden these like ghost kind of things start coming at her and they're like not like typical ghosts it's like weird creepy tentacled creatures that are just like very alien and to the point where they're all completely unique like in this movie i don't think i saw an alien that was in the same once like they're all so fucking various and weird as fuck and but you you see them as like these kind of translucent like orange glowy things so that and they they can travel through the walls and stuff so they literally are like ghosts and if they touch you uh you die instantly but you see the one person get touched by one of them and it looks like your soul is like lifted out of your body and then you just like die and it's like hard if they just even just happen to brush past you you're dead so you can't touch these things and apparently uh this 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 team of like i don't know what i want to call them like soldiers comes in and rescues her and they're like you weren't supposed to be out here and there's like a a, a tension between her and one of the soldiers and long story short, it's like this, it's really interesting how this, there's this whole theory in that movie of the theory of Gaia and how the planet is the hub of the, of all the souls in that universe. And basically what happened was, um, a, a piece, a meteor hit the earth, which caused the destruction, the apocalypse that they are living in. And that meteor, when it hit the earth, it brought the ghosts with them pretty much. And it like just started destroying everything. So they saved themselves from getting into certain cities where like ghosts can't penetrate the shields and stuff. But, um, long story short, the theory of Gaia's, yeah, your, your planet is the hub of all the souls. And this, this chunk, this, uh, asteroid that hit our planet was a chunk of another planet. And that planet's like souls came with it and are like pretty much like, populating our planet because uh i don't even understand why but that's what the cause of it all is and ultimately they get down to the bottom of it 
it it's just like seriously a super interesting watch. It's like how long is it? Like fucking sixty like minutes. I don't a hundred and six minutes. Watch it. Go watch this movie. It's really worthwhile. I know I know it got a six point four on IMDb. I would give it at least a seven point eight or an eight point three. It's very specific numbers. <laughs> yeah. In between there. But no, I think it's a, it's a, it's a definitely worthwhile movie and it came out in 2001. So that's what I'm saying, dude. It came out in 2001, people. And for the CGI it had and the story and everything about it, fucking awesome. Totally. It definitely shouldn't be Final Fantasy related. <laughs> so I understand why people are like, that's probably why a lot of people brushed it under the rug, but go check it out. I mean it. Well, when you're describing it, it kind of reminded me of Final Fantasy VII where I think, don't they have a giant meteorite coming down and, like, threatening to destroy the city? And it turns out the whole city is being run off life force, like, from the planet, and they're corrupting it? Or is that Advent Children's storyline? Oh, dude, I couldn't tell you for the life of me, because, A, I, I, of all the Final Fantasy games I haven't played, 7 is one, and that's one I need to cross off my list. So I plan on doing it, and I've seen Advent Children, but it was, like, literally when it came out, so I don't recall it very well. So I'm kind of useless when it comes to Final Fantasy VII, which everyone's like, <laughs> In full honesty, I played Final Fantasy VII just so I could watch Advent Children, just because I'm like, so many people are talking about it, let me just see what the hell's going on with this. Uh, yeah. It, it's definitely a good game, and people definitely see it with the rose-tinted glasses. They definitely have the nostalgia goggles on when they talk about it. Okay. For the time, I'm sure it was phenomenal. In retrospect, playing it now, because they've... I don't know if it's necessarily remastered or if they just ported it, but it's on the computer now. Uh, oh, yeah. In, in fact, I actually, my friend lended me a copy of the computer version, and I never played it, so I'm a dickhead. <laughs> and then and then also, they have it now. You can get it on PSN, I think, so you can download like a, a not physical copy of it. Yeah, a digital copy. A digital, yeah. Yeah, originally it was off just the one website, but now I know it's even on Steam now, so it's very available. Um the graphics are hard, like when you're running around, because everyone's just super basic polygons. They're all just triangles fused together. Yeah, uh, blocky. Yeah, in game or in battles, I should say, it's it's pretty decent, like especially for the time it is. Um, the story's great, but considering once again, a lot of people that played it were children and they've never seen a story like that, and that was the first game, the first story they've seen that was such an epic and. Uh, yeah, no wonder it had the impact it did. Yeah, it definitely influenced the young audience, and that's why they hold it in such re- uh, regard of why it's so great. Uh, being as someone who never played it as a kid and didn't play it until I was older, I think maybe two years ago, it's it's good, but it's not. It, it for me, it didn't live anywhere up to the hype because people hype this game up like it's the messiah of video games, like it's Jesus of games, like. Yeah, they really do, and that's why I bought it for PSN, because it's like, oh, I've played Final Fantasy IX, I've probably played, like, honestly, 1 through 5 on Final Fantasy, so and I just never got to 7, I don't know why, or or 8, so, like, I'm really weird when it comes to that, <laughs> but, uh, and that's the thing, though, I, I got it, and I started it, and I was just like, oh, am I really gonna go down this road? I've done so many PS1 classic RPGs, and this just doesn't even seem to be up to par, like, especially with, like, uh, the Legend of Dragoon, I feel like, God, there's nothing like it. That, that game, I feel like, personally, was, talk about an epic. I, I don't, I don't, I can't really say much though, not playing Final Fantasy VII, but I know most of the gist of it because of how much, yeah, how much it is heralded. Yeah, I think since you were such a, 
big fan of Legends of Dragoon, you'll play seven and be like, you'll see like, oh, they took this from Dragoon or this or that. And you'll see the similarities. So it might not be as groundbreaking for you as it would be for someone who's played it for the first time or didn't play a game like that. Sure. So I, I think they're pretty similar. Interesting. Yeah. And that's the thing. I did see, I did see Advent Children without playing seven and it didn't mean shit to me. I was like, whoa, my eyes are bleeding. Like, <laughs> this is sweet. Yeah. That's like, it's like a friend of mine told me, he's like, Oh yeah, I played Mass Effect two. And he's like, I hate it. I was like, well, did you play Mass Effect one? Did you carry your story over? He's like, no. I was like, well, that's why I hate it. You have no idea what's going on. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's kind of. Yeah, it's like seeing a sequel to a movie before you see the first one. It's like, well, yeah, of course you're confused. Yeah, exactly. But I do remember that game for being, or that movie for being all CGI and stuff. It was beautiful. Like, it's a very, uh, visually intense game. And it is, it is a good movie. Uh, it's definitely, you know, like everything else, Final Fantasy VII, nostalgia goggles on and people love it. But, you know, overall, it's pretty decent. Yeah, I want to go over the top with it, but um, but in the sense that for it for its time, Advent Children, the way those graphics were impressing people, that's what I'm trying to say about the original Final Fantasy Spirits Within in 2001. Like, oh god, that like blew my mind, and I'm sure people will go back and look at it and be like, what the hell? These look like like the whole movie's cutscenes from fucking I don't even know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it all looks like cinematic. Uh trailers and you know the e3 trailer where it's just like it's beautiful and you play the actual game it's like this looks nothing like it yeah exactly and oh another thing about final fantasy the spirits within this is the last thing i'll say about it but the coolest fucking thing about that movie is that they had the technology to record your dreams oh uh, yeah i do remember seeing that or hearing about that when it came out and it was so fucking ridiculous because most of the story um, revolves around the main character, uh, Aki, and the dream she's been having. And, oh, my God, it's just ridiculous that she can, like, go back and re-experience them and stuff. That that blows my mind because so many people would love to be able to do that. That's insane. Most of us wake up and we're instantly distracted by an alarm or, or a dog barking or something, and you instantly kind of forget about what you were dreaming. But it's it'd just be so much it'd be awesome to be able to capture that and come back to it and be like, Oh fuck, that's nuts. Yeah. I know uh, everyone loves the idea of recording their dreams. Personally for me, I'd probably be the one guy opting out of that. Cause my dreams are either super boring and mundane, just nothing special or the single handedly most horrifying thing I've ever experienced in my life. So it's just like, no, yeah. I don't want, I don't want any of those. Yeah, sure, dude. In fact, it's funny you say that. I, um, for the life of me, I, I can't tell you that many dreams that I've had. I, I go to sleep every night so heavily that I feel like I wake up and yeah, I'm distracted instantly and I don't even, I feel like I don't remember them or I just don't have them. But I feel like people physically say it's impossible not to dream, but I would be like, I want to see some proof on that because I just have a feeling I'm just not dreaming. But occasionally, like very rarely, something will come through and be like traumatizing and then it'll stand out and I'll be like, oh, how could I forget that? That was insane. So there, I like, and those are the ones I usually write down on my phone. Like as soon as I wake up, I'm like, what the fuck just happened? So <laughs> yeah, I remember going back uh, through some old writings I did. One of them was just the basic plot of a dream I had. I was like, what the fuck was I thinking? Like, what was, what happens? And dude, I just uh, immediately deleted it because it's just like, eh, no one needs to know about this. <laughs> dude, my dreams were super weird. I remember, I'm not going to get into it too 
much, but I remember the one dream I was running from the cops with my friend and like I, and the cop got us and he, he hands us a ticket like, Oh, this is, this is what you're in trouble for. And I'm looking at the ticket and it was, it, it was literally a list of all the things I had done earlier that day. And I was like, what the fuck has this cop been stalking me? So I go to show it to my friend. I'm like, yo, read this. What the fuck? And he looks at me. He's like, it's blank. (laughs) And I looked and it was, I was like, what the fuck? So that blew my mind. So that's just like one super strange, specific example of like how bizarre my dreams are. And when I write them down and come back to it, it's just like, what the fuck? So I don't know. Yeah, that would be interesting to capture it, but no. And then there's other ones where it's like, oh, I drive a Jeep. So one dream I had, I like totally, um, flip the Jeep on its, on the completely like 180 on, I'm like the ceiling is on the ground. So that was horrifying. Like that experience. Yeah. I've recently started having dreams where my teeth fall out. And I've heard that's a very common theme in dreams. And it's oh, been there. Yeah. And I feel like it's one of the worst ones because it, oh, of course. it's an experience everyone has or majority of the human race has had where your teeth naturally fall out your baby teeth. And so the idea of like having a dream where your teeth, you can still remember the feeling. So like when you wake up, it feels so real because your body has experienced that at one point. So it's your brain almost reliving that physical experience. You wake up and grab your mouth and you're just like, are they still there? Cause it's, uh, those are, those are the most unsettling ones because it has happened. Oh, of course. That is the worst. And I've had it numerous times and they're always traumatizing. And in fact, just this past weekend, my girlfriend, I woke up and she's like, oh, I had a terrible dream. I was like, what about? She's like, my teeth falling out. And so it just goes to show it does happen to us frequently. But, and that's the thing, like, what, what the fuck constitutes an entire human conscious, like a collective conscious to have this weird dream of, of our teeth falling out like that? And, and they say it's stress related or like, um, it's, I think it's almost impossible to interpret a dream, but I'm sure there is a lot of symbolism though, because it is just, uh, a bizarre way of our brain communicating to us. Yeah. I remember just looking at some of the dream books and just thinking, this is all just bullshit. Like, no, thank no you. Can really guess. Cause it's at least for me, I think it's just the chemicals going off in your brain. So it can just be random. Like if you, exactly. If you want to see the symbol symbolism in it, it's like any work of literature or writing people see the symbolism and stuff that the author never intended. So it's just people exactly grabbing for straws. Oh, absolutely. And talk about chemicals. It's like, um, DMT, the chemical that some people abuse is it's a psychedelic. That's the most, I'm pretty sure it's the most psychedelic drug in, in our, in our world. But, um, it's actually in our, in our pineal gland, in our brain, like, uh, naturally. And it, it, I think a little bit of DNT is like stimulated or fired off. I don't know how I want to word it. Cause I'm no scientist. I just read a few articles, but, um, I think that is triggered when we go to bed every night. So our dreams could be involved in that. And also when we die, our, our body releases uh, a mass amount of DMT, which is why most people, uh, pretty much say that, oh, I saw everything in slow motion or my whole life flashed before my eyes. It's like they're pretty much tripping because they're, and they're dying. Yeah. Is that the chemical they've recreated and people say they see the tunnel or the light at the end of the tunnel? In fact, yes. And it's also the one where Joe Rogan actually had a, a pretty in-depth conversation about it. I'll put it in the show notes because it's a super interesting re- listen and he's a fucking ridiculous guy. But he like got transported to another dimension and shit and was like talking to some like crazy like 
entity and all this kinds of shit. So like, it really took him like out of body, like, like insane. And I'm not going to say any names, but I know a few people like friends of mine that have actually tried DMT, but for them, they actually, they never had any kind of out of body experience by any means. They just said, Oh, uh, I like, I basically, they, I think they did it wrong to be perfectly honest. I'm not sure. (laughs) That's when you know you screwed up when you're, you can't, uh, do drug addiction, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that's one I don't think most people should be doing. It's like, God, when I found out he was like, oh, yeah, I, I tried that. I was like, are you fucking serious? That's like, I don't even know, like saying you've tried peyote or something. That's some <laughs> shit where you're, you're going off the deep end for like a week or something. But I don't, not necessarily with DMT. I think actually that's one of more or less one of those kind of salvia induced trips where it's only like 10 minutes or 15 minutes of real time but it lasts like it seems to you like an eternity oh yeah it's the super intense is it synthetic uh i don't know honestly and that's the thing dmt is like a natural sub like chemical i think that's even found in certain forms of grass and stuff so i don't know how like they extract it in order to like and i don't know if they smoke it i don't know what they do but uh, to be honest but i don't know hmm that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, kind of a segue into this. Um, I was playing Dragon Age Inquisition and I beat it. And at one of the points in the game, it's, it's one of these points that really reminds me of the, how good the game can be or how good the writing is, I guess I should say, in the character development. Cause at one point in the game, you go into this like dream world sort of state it's called the fade in it. And you're walking around. Okay. And the manifestation of terror and like nightmare is hunting you and like trying to mess with you. So he sends off all these minions, minions at you, and they're all these like spider demon looking creatures, and they're called just fear creatures, cause they're just the embodiment of fear. And they attack you, and some of the characters are like, oh god, there's spiders everywhere, and they're like, uh, spiders, they look like slugs to me, it's like, really? It looks like my mother-in-law to me, like the different characters seem differently. What? And, That's wild. Yeah, and depending on the character, um, they'll have the health bar over to the demons, and it'll say different things that scare them, that are their fears. So, like, while I'm fighting them, the little creatures have, like, sickness over its name, or the Maker, which is essentially God in that, so they're afraid of, like, God. And, uh, one of my favorites one is, over top of this little creature, like, for its fear, it said, ironically, spiders. And it said, <laughs> ironically, and I was like, that's, yeah. that's very clever. And nice. it's a moment like that where I was like, oh, this is great. And then immediately after that, I went to talk to another character who was sitting in a chair. And every time it cut to that character, they were lower and lower in the chair. So I'd be talking to, it would cut to me, come back to them. They're about two inches shorter. Cut back to me, come back to them. Their head is right above the desk. Cut to me, come back to them. They're completely gone. They've sunken all the way in the chair. And it, what, what? it's moments like that where I'm just like, God damn it. Like the game is, it's good writing. Like I want to like this game, but then this stuff happens and it's just like, God uh. damn it. Jesus, dude. Yeah, you'd think they'd have some kind of collision detection going on. I mean, Jesus, how how many Dragon Ages deep are we? Well, this is the third one, and, like, now that I've been it, I can finally say, like, it didn't get better. Like, the graphics and stuff, there'd be a part where a character's eyes start glowing, like he gets possessed or something, but the model moves, so the glowing part of the eyes was supposed to just cover up the eyes that you could see, but since he moved, they are right below them, so you just see two dots on his cheek just, like, glowing while his right his normal <laughs> eyes are there. Oh Jesus, that's weird, dude. I bet that'd be really creepy to see. <laughs> it's just it was just weird and like every now and then there'd just be this really, really loud like ping or it'd just be like ding and you know, that's great what you want to hear at two in the morning. So oh, God. like I don't know 
I looked up Dragon Age, like the Inquisition, and there's like tons of great reviews for it. People are like, yeah, best game of 2014, like best RPG. I'm just like, I, I, sorry, I can't forgive these graphical like mistakes. Like they're just so obvious. And it's like, I don't know how this game gets such great reviews. The writing is definitely good and the character arcs are entertaining. I'll definitely say that. But like, for fuck's sake, like some of these are just so, such gross mistakes. They, they just overlooked. Yeah, instead of uh the nostalgia goggles, they have the uh denial goggles. Yeah, it, like <laughs> I don't know what I don't know if it's just my copy, if it's because I'm playing on a PS3 instead of a PC. Like I don't know what, but my game is full of bugs. Like at one point, I tried um uh resetting all my characters' abilities, and every time I did it, I uh put in all the stats at once, and every time I come back to the game, it would freeze every single time. So I'd have to go in, put in the skills one by one and like come back just to make sure the whole game didn't freeze. Oh man. Yeah. So it's, it might just be my copy, but I find that hard to believe. Me too. Um, but yeah, anything else like to complain about in that, like as far as glitches or is that like the main, like the most of them? I mean, a lot of them are very graphical base. It's characters clipping into objects or the camera being focused on the wrong thing. Like in most dragon ages up to this point in, the second Dragon Age, you can only play as a human. You could determine the gender. You could be a mage, warrior, uh, uh, rogue, or whatever. But you had to be human. In the first one, you could play as a Dalish elf, which are elves that live in the forest, like on their own. You could play a city elf, which is like a uh, elf that lives in the city and is like a second class citizen, gets beaten around. Or you could play as like a rich dwarf or a poor dwarf or a mage or a regular human. Like there was a bunch of different classes you could play as in different. Uh, beginnings for the game, which made it so entertaining. Yeah. This one, uh, Inquisition, you could play as a Canari, which is the first time you could play as them in the game. And they're essentially the giant race. Like, they're not enormous, like, but they're like eight foot on average. And some of them have giant horns. So I played as him because it was the first, that character, because you could first time play as them. Sure. And it's great because people in the game think you're this, like, messiah, like, you you have the special ability. And they think you're like essentially Jesus, like uh you were sent by the Holy Creator and you're the herald of their Messiah. And it's funny for me because I pick all the sarcastic and uh snide answers. So I'm just being the sassy, uh giant horned guy that essentially looks like Satan and people are calling me like the savior. So it's really funny <laughs> to be sassy with giant horns. Yeah, nice. <laughs> that is funny. But when they would do a cutscene because of that character they would have the camera lower. So I would just be staring at my dude's chest the whole cutscene and would cut back to another player and it's their face because they're a dwarf or a human to so their normal side. Yeah. <laughs> and cut back and it's just my like my chest. It's like I'm admiring my abs on my character in this game because it was just bad stuff like that. I'm surprised you didn't have uh, glowing nipples or something. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't put it past them. I'm sure someone <laughs> must have seen that problem at some point. But oh, also Jesus. the graphics just render all the time. So I'll be looking at someone and they're just like all very like smooth and just really blobby and just like everything's blending into one another colors. And then like while in the middle of their talking, it would just like clink over and it would be super high resolution and like it looks all good. It's like the graphics are rendering while I'm playing it. So it's, it's really a lot of graphical errors on my part. Um, and I think it froze a lot because of the graphics. Like, it was trying to load all the graphics at once. And I think that's what froze a lot. So, 
I think that's my biggest issue with the game. It's just the graphics. When they're at their best, they look great, but it very rarely ever did. Like, it was, uh, it was a mess. Jeez, I really hope they correct it for the next release. I'm not sure if that's even in the works or anything just yet. I don't know. It's Bioware. I love them because I love Mass Effect and I love Dragon Age Origins, but they really haven't been doing great lately. So I'm, I'm a little afraid they're going to be heading down the EA Ubisoft route where they're just yeah. trying to produce as many games as they can and uh, losing the quality, you know, quantity over quality argument. Yeah, definitely. It's, it seems like, we're not, we're not alone when we have these complaints. <laughs> and that's the thing. I think that's why people actually listen this long. Um, it's a lot of people agreed. Like there's a lot of games in 2014 that were just kind of had a lot of hype, didn't satisfy. And now, now everyone going into 2015 is, has a negative outlook. We're like, eh, I don't really give a shit. Yeah. I know a lot of people who are more, uh, excited about indie games coming out where it's no name developers where it's like, some dude and three of his buddies developing a game over top of a gas station in their apartment. Like they're more excited about that game than a game that has millions of dollars put into it by a publisher and a big name company, because we've just been screwed over so much by these big triple A titles. Yeah. And you know what? It's, it's nice to have a breath of fresh air or just something original. That's why it's like, I will always support the indie scene. It's like, and half of the games I play are indie games and they're, they're always, there are some gems and there are some flops. But in the mainstream gaming world, there's 90% flops <laughs> and then 10% successful franchises that are still like disappointing. Yeah. I know, uh, years ago I saw on a Kickstarter that they had a Kickstarter for LA game space. Which is essentially, um, a building where game, de- indie game developers would go and be able to work on stuff and be able to test with audiences while they're right there. Like, they'd, uh, have the audience there and just test them while they're still, like, while their programmers are working on it. The people can play and give them direct feedback. And, um, I think the creator of Adventure Time was behind it. Uh, the creator of, I think Scott Pilgrim was a big, uh, contributor to it. Cause that's what some of the, uh, prizes and rewards you got for funding is you got some of their stuff. And oh, awesome! Uh, along with it, you got a bunch of just really little, basic, like mostly eight bit uh, to sixteen bit games that they gave you for like a thank you for contributing. I got like twenty five games, and most of them are local co op, so you know it's hard to play on a small keyboard with another person. But some of them are really fun, and then some of them are just really weird. Yeah. Oh man, talk about weird indie games that actually kind of made it pretty mainstream because i'm pretty sure i saw it advertised in either gamestop or walmart or something but octodad oh yeah <laughs> what the fuck was that game they actually had a sequel called uh, octodad 2 the deadliest catch no they didn't yeah. oh dude just the fact that th- they used that pun and actually made the game like i i bet the guy who who came up with that was like oh we have to do it now as soon as they had that. <laughs> he's so proud of it um, yeah. I know the first one got uh, a pretty good amount of press and like recognition from the gaming community because it was like Surgeon Simulator. You're just trying to hit all these weird buttons to control your legs and move and grab stuff. And the whole point of the game is to pass yourself also off as a regular human being when you're really an octopus in a suit. Pretending to be a father in a family. <laughs> yeah. So I remember it got like, it was like uh, Quop and Surgeon Sim- Simulator where it's just so hard and people are just struggling and it just looks so silly when he does it. And then Octodad 2 got, I think that might have been kickstarted as well, got a little more money behind it and the graphics were a lot better. 
but I remember people weren't as happy with it. I think they might have gotten a little too cocky or were trying to ride the popularity of the first Doctor Dad too much. So I know the second one wasn't as... I don't know if it wasn't as good, but it wasn't as popular. Yeah, definitely. See, and that's the thing. Sometimes it's not always necessarily the best idea to just go release a sequel. It's like, why not go down a different path, try something else, see how that goes, maybe come back to that down the road if the first one worked better than the other. Like, stuff like that. You don't you don't necessarily just like, oh, I don't know, though. It, that's hard to put yourself in those shoes, though, because you probably are like, oh, I'm so happy with the success of the first one. The people want a sequel, so... Yeah, it's it's kind of like movies where it's like, ah, the movie wasn't good, but it was fun. It's like games that are very unique. It's like, the game was interesting. It's like, is it worth playing again, or is it worth spending five bucks? It's like, no, the game overall sucks. But they had one core mechanic that was definitely unique, and it was the reason for playing. Yeah. Can it just be like the Reading Rainbow outro? It's just that music. That's all. That'd be amazing, actually. Oh, that I think we would get flagged for copyright infringement. Yeah, unfortunately, because it, it's very iconic. <laughs> oh wow, what a memory! Reading Rainbow, holy fuck! It's coming back. No way. They did a Kickstarter and they got like thirty million dollars, like not that much, but like millions of dollars to bring it back. Do you know what else is coming back? Uh, a bunch of the old '90s cartoons are coming to Nickelodeon. Yeah, they're having a channel just for it. The Splat or something. Thank. Thank God, though, really. <laughs> it really was like a prime time for cartoons, because it's not just Looney Tunes, it's like new intellectual properties, and they were really testing stuff, and it was great. Definitely, and I just can't imagine what the kids these days are watching. They need to check out the classics. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of good cartoons now, but I think Cartoon Network just pulled a bunch of their premiering cartoons, like cartoons they've already had on for a few seasons, like The Amazing World of Gumball, and like Uncle Grandpa, which I don't get. But they pulled the premieres, so I think it's just regular show premiering now. Oh, wow. It's, okay. It's weird. Something weird is happening with Cartoon Network, and they're just, like, taking away cartoons. You know what? It's not a bad idea. Uh, regular show should definitely stay. Uh, it's it's such a good thing. It has such a great fan base. I know Adventure Time probably has even more of a fan base, but I'm more of a regular show person. Yeah, it's just weird. Like, I don't know. It's weird. It seems like Cartoon Network is trying to distance itself from certain cartoons and it's like but your cartoons in your name like what are you doing i don't know yeah all right well i guess we should end this episode thanks for listening guys uh i guess it's time to do some plugs uh if you like our show check out our facebook and twitter our handles abt silence if you want to email us suggestions for things you want to hear on the show or uh categories for any of our conversation games, uh, send your emails to almostbetterthansilence at gmail.com. And I'm currently streaming every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so check that out uh, if you get the chance. And how can listeners find you, Bren? I'm ABTS Brendan on Twitter. I almost always forget that as soon as you ask me that. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, trying to keep you on your toes. <laughs> yeah, I just start zoning out. Um, we're doing... YouTube stuff. I'm going to try and do more videos. And as of right now, it's going to just be a lot of really shitty games. I can tell you that right now. They're going to be bad games. But I'm going to have a lot of free time coming up soon, so I figure I'll knock out some videos. Oh, no. It's, is it, this is going to be uh, Filling the Void of Unemployment Part 2? Probably. Very likely. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> we'll have to see. Listeners, stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in to uh, both parts of the Lost episode, and we'll see you on Monday with a great interview. Bye!